Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. I'm Julia. And I'm Becca. We're best friends and lifelong Star Wars fans, and this is a Star Wars The Bad Batch fan cast. This time we're reviewing Episode 7, Battle Scars. This review is meant to be spoiler-free, so join us after you've watched the episode. So if you like story, and you like Star Wars, then stick around. In this episode, the Batch returns from another job to find a mysterious figure waiting in Sid's bar for them. It turns out to be Captain Rex, who tracked them down with help from Rafa and Trace Martez. Talk turns to inhibitor chips, and Rex strongly suggests they seek to have them removed for everyone's safety. The Batch meets Rex on Bracca, a planet-wide ship graveyard, where they seek out an old Republic cruiser and its medical bay. Wrecker's ship activates before they can get him into surgery, and the Batch sees firsthand the danger Rex spoke about. After a firefight, the Batch is able to successfully remove their chips and reevaluate their priorities. Let's jump into some plot context here uh, and talk about our A plot, B plot, and C plots uh, that we see in this episode. Which is twisty. Um, I mean, this is a pretty... Self-contained is not the right word, but... It's definitely not. It's definitely not (laughs) self-contained. It it feels maybe a bit more insular than, than... other episodes but um we that being said i mean our a plot continues to be uh the batch figuring things out and i think this is like it's sort of like a plot and c plot had yeah a baby correct (laughs) uh i i say twisty just because like essentially in this episode our c plot which you know based on the order of you know the way that we've put these feels like it would be the the least important or the least seen and it's like the whole fucking main course right of this episode it becomes the a plot in this episode in a way i guess it's it's more apt to say that like the a plot and the c plot are very intertwined in this episode because they sort of they they sort of become i think intertwined is a fair yeah is a fair point um i don't know it's interesting in all of our conversations about like the previous episodes being filler e or not filler e or like readjusting what our uh, understanding of filler is mm-hmm. we just got like a very meaty episode which i know sure. uh we did reference at the end of our last our last episode mm-hmm. um but it is interesting to see and it's interesting that like in this sort of i almost said meat zone <laughs> <laughs> in this meat zone of plot uh <laughs> what exactly like we're getting that is like so substantial mm-hmm. yeah that's true there there is a lot of setup with um wrecker hitting his head and and we get little bits and pieces of um these these inhibitor tips which are still there but don't seem to be quite a threat yet um and then they start to impede the the batch's ability to survive in the world and figure out who they are which is our a plot yeah no b plot again yep it's like the fifth episode in a row it's okay they're just like crosshair who who's that again i don't know we don't know him (laughs) <laughs> again it's wild to me thinking about like the the shit i've seen on tumblr the stuff i've seen on tumblr <laughs> rather because i'm not here to yuck your yum but like i don't know what these people are going off of if they like really love crosshair again i think it is the sort of, of well it's the it's the sort of angsty man um uh, tumblr angsty tum- man. he's a tumblr angsty man um it, it's the like heavy angst with the um They've given us just enough. 
like a, a little morsel. Yeah, and I think people that really, 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 really like Crosshair's character want to know what he's up to, right? Which I, feeds this like, oh, I want to create content. I want to know. Yeah, I guess I'm just like so interested of like what exactly you, those people grabbed onto in the first place because there's like not a lot except for that like, you know, we have two episodes where he does insane things. Besides the fact that they have established him pretty well as like an, the antagonist. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's an interesting character, but yeah. And and again, we have we have none of him in this but episode. He does just sort of look like elderly Clint Eastwood, <laughs> and he he's really mean. does. He's very mean. Um, Are you guys okay? And it gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we said, we got a, we previously have had a bunch of setup for stuff that gets paid off in this mm-hmm. episode, which is lovely to see. Yeah. And yeah, do you want us to jump into? Yeah. The beats. Um, we I, I like that um I believe last episode two or um two episodes ago we started on a pretty uh fast note, um, when Omega has her calm. Uh we kind of just jump in to that. Uh and we're doing that again here, which I think really serves to um the, like the batch is kind of figuring things out. They've got a little bit of a handle on things. Um we're jumping into a firefight, which is pretty much like the middle to end of a job that Sid has given them. Yeah. Um and it has at least at least gone a little bit wrong, and so they're um, <laughs> they're they're flying around, and Echo's trying to fix the. <laughs> I love the dialogue in this part, mostly it's how very bitchy good. they are being to each other. You can really feel the uh, tiredness of Hunter when he's just like, "Can you guys shut up and just like, can we get out of here?" Yeah, I love the Tex like, is like once Echo decides yeah, to fix I love the that hyperdrive. Hunter's like, "Can we leave?" And Tex like, "If Echo fixed it faster, we would be gone." And he's like, like "I'm, I'm fucking doing it. my best." <laughs> And then, of course, like Omega and, and Wrecker are like trying to deal with this like creature that they've been sent to. An- another sort um, of. Um, it looks like a pangolin, but like a it, lot more. It um, does. I mean, I, I've never interacted with a pangolin, so I don't know how sort of dexterous they are, but it seems more dexterous than a pangolin. It's appears. like if you mixed an armadillo and a pangolin and also like a neopet together. Yeah, ev- I'm just realizing that every animal in Star Wars is just sort of like a weird neopet. Strangely, it doesn't feel like. It just feels like some of the smaller creatures we've seen yeah, that are I guess. new. Whoever's designing creatures now really likes Neopets. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is most of the small that's creatures. Not a, I don't uh, look that's at a, not a dunk. That's a compliment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't look at a Rancor and, and think Neopet. It's just the small ones. It is like the dogs we saw or whatever. <laughs> the heart-eyed dog guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, of course, they, they escape and, and go back to Sid's... Uh, almost at Sid's Bay. They do call it, like, not a bar. They call it, like, a parlor or something. Oh, I think they do say parlor. They can't say bar. They can't. Which is yeah. hysterical to me. It's a it's um, a bar. It's a dive bar, though. Yeah, I do also like, just, like, a quick note from me on the this first scene. I do really like that, you know, we start on action, essentially. And I like that, um, I feel like when I see that in episodes, I know that this episode is going to be really full of stuff Mm -hmm. because it's like well we're not going to waste time giving you information you don't need Mm -hmm. uh and also i do really like how that um plays into the narrative that like some time has passed like uh, uh, we've talked about this previously somewhere but like oh i think it was with cut laquane um essentially making reference of something that's previously happened without giving you all the information kind of assumes like a story there that we haven't seen. And I really like that that kind of plays into the understanding of like, they're getting more comfortable with this role as I almost said marauders. No. Um, as like guns for hire, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I just think that that was really well done. I enjoy the banter from the sort beginning of, a of, of errors. <laughs> yeah, from the beginning of the last episode where Sid's like, "I have a job for you," and they're just like, "I don't know if we've decided to work for you," and she's like, "You have. Um, I'm deciding." <laughs> to this, where it's just like, "All right, they're they're fully in this." Yeah. I I think it's I I like too that we get to see Omega very uh involved in this again. I mean, she's on the ship. Not that she's not involved in previous things but she you you see her um acting as a pretty uh a pretty adhered member of the batch here so anyway they get back to sid's parlor (laughs) sorry parlor um yeah they get back to ward mentel and um they're turning in their bounty and they get paid a little less than i guess they thought they would get paid (laughs) um there's a line in here too that was like um god i don't remember what preceded this but uh I think it's Hunter says very flippantly, like, uh, as long as you get paid or whatever, like, he's, he's, I, like, they are firmly in this mercenary business now, but they're, they're still kind of like, I don't know, I don't like it. It's not my favorite thing. Yeah. They, they're not okay with the sort of, like, pretense of, like, all the business here is very skeevy and, like. Yeah. I think they're also just, like, I think they have a, a, a a dislike for doing things strictly for money. Yeah. I think it's a weird concept to them, but they are doing it nonetheless. We get introduced to a really cute thing between Omega and Wrecker where um, uh, this also serves to show that like more time has passed uh, and presumably they've done other jobs for Sid maybe, um, but enough so that they have um, implemented this tradition of getting Mantel mix, which seems to be some kind of popcorn. Yeah, I was going to say like kettle. It looks like kettle corn. But yeah, we get to see this little tradition. Very cute. Um, we also get introduced the fact that like now that the batch has had uh, time to make money, they are also <laughs> in debt again. Yeah. They went from like, and I'm not surprised because like I don't think in the Republic they're ever like, here's some like economic literacy. They're, yeah, they're never like, here, we need to teach you about financial literacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, oh, this is what, you know, credit is. <laughs> they just hey, are, like, they're learning along with us. They're babies. Yeah. <laughs> like us. Mm-hmm. They were thrown into this world with not enough understanding. Um, yeah, I do really like that they're currently in debt. This is also the scene we were talking about when we were watching this, where it's it's Tech, Echo, and Hunter in Sid's office. Mm-hmm. I love that Tech is just chilling, and the other two are like literally so rip shit about <laughs> currently what's Again, happening. Again, I've said this a billion times, but they have so much mom and dad energy. They do, and just like... And the Tech is like their weird way. teen son who yeah. doesn't care. He's just there. Very apathetic, yeah. which is fine. Um, yeah, no, I just, I really love um, how these scenes go down that we get a really fun, like the <laughs> the adults are doing business uh, and then we get Omega and, and Wrecker just like having fun. Yeah, the beginning of this episode really does set up, um, I mean, they the whole show is set up Wrecker is a little more childlike than the rest of the um, boys, but in this episode it seems to lean really heavily into that and obviously there is a reason for it yeah, i was um yeah I, w- I was thinking about that a lot when we watched the episode mm-hmm. back like just a few minutes ago because i was like it, it really is like how do you set up and and cash in these like emotional story moments is that you have to like obviously i mean set them up really heavily like mm-hmm. and with what happens in the rest of this episode uh, it's interesting that we get to see Rector set up as just like an incredibly sweet mm-hmm. kind. He's like kind of the kind, childish in a way one, childlike I would say. I think even there's the the conversation where um, Rector and Omega are standing there after like they get back to the parlor and um, Hunter's like, "What are you guys up to? What are you doing?" 
Um, and Wrecker's like, oh, we got to go. Can we go? Like, uh, it makes the kid happy. And, yeah. <laughs> and Tantra's like, yeah, the kid. Okay. Like, <laughs> you guys are both children. It's just like, I don't know. It's really sweet. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of some people probably have issue with like the way that Wrecker is portrayed and that he it's almost like he's a little dumb sometimes, but mm-hmm. I, I do genuinely think he's just like incredibly sweet. And like, mm-hmm. he has sort of not necessarily like a carefree nature. That's perhaps going a little bit too far, but like he, yeah, I wouldn't he has a lightness, a levity to him. He has a levity that the rest of them don't have. Echo is so, so sad. Uh, yeah. I love that for him. <laughs> I do too. Good, good for him. Uh, Hunter's a little broody. Like Hunter's a little broody. Like tech is the smart one. Like the whole point of this um, batch is that they all have different, like ways that they are right and like that's <laughs> their kind of like like the power rangers <laughs> <laughs> much like the power rangers they are corresponded to different colors sounds like I'm, <laughs> sounds like i'm giving like a thesis presentation <laughs> i think the um childlikeness that we see in record serves a purpose yeah absolutely. i I can't remember the rest of the season because we haven't watched it in a really long time, but I'm trying to think of moments where like maybe it wasn't necessary, but to be fair, we, we do see him in like, we do see him doing like incredible feats yeah. as well. Um, so I think that there's a good balance between that, um, between this childlike wonder that does serve a purpose specifically in this episode uh, and the fact that he is very um, strong and capable uh, when he needs to be interestingly and this is kind of a wild thesis to just put out there but like i do honestly kind of feel like what we have in these episodes uh it it, wrecker is in a wild way his character is kind of being filled out in the background like in a sort of multifaceted way Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is like he's not just like what his character is designed to be you know he is like big and strong and whatever but like he does have like a kindness to him and then like also what we've been seeing in previous episodes which we see a lot more later on in this episode of like he has legitimate fears like he is interestingly becoming a very like multifaceted character with not a lot of screen time Mm -hmm. um Sorry, I was just thinking about that. I'm no, like, no, so it's fascinating. It's true. Um, I don't know that we see the same with tech. Yeah, as much. Um, I would or lump even with them like Echo, right? Yeah, it, it's different because I'm lumping tech and record together because we don't. Uh, we see like previous Echo, yeah. right? Yeah. So we have that to lean on as far as characterization and story go. We don't have previous uh, record and tech, which For is sure. why I'm lumping them together. But yeah. it it serves to make your point that like he is kind of treated in a unique way. Um, not that tech or Wrecker are more important than the other. Yeah. But it's, it's just interesting. Yeah. Because up until this point, we haven't had an episode that kind of, you know, turns the camera towards Wrecker specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, now we do, which is serving an interesting purpose in this story. Exactly. Yeah. So the, we learned that the Batch is now <laughs> super in debt to Sid because they don't understand how things work. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a new fault of their own. Um, and she's like, listen, you're going to have to do a good job for me. Uh, well, that made it sound weird. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, what I meant by that was she's like, you're going to have to pull a good, a very big job for like, me. Like with to a get, big payoff. With a big payoff. You're going to have to do a good, <laughs> good job for me. Oh, no, no. She's creepy. She's very creepy. No. She's great. We love her. She's she not just like wants that. money. She's not weird. <laughs> she's a crime aunt. <laughs> anyway, My meemaw. Um, 
also we get uh we never see them come back and have to tell her that they botched the tactical droid job but no, no, but she mentions it she's like it's assumed yeah. it would have been a big job like that tactical droid one that you botched um so it is fun also on that note quickly because mm-hmm. yeah um it's fun to see them have consequences for their actions right yeah. it's again it's uh, the exact opposite of things we've seen previously in star wars where it's like you're kind of untouchable uh because there's these like huge big fucking deal things that are going on right and it's very good versus evil right this is just like people who like they said they were gonna go to their nine to five job and then they didn't show up and their boss is pissed at them yeah, exactly <laughs> um no, that just made me think about the fact that, like, the Jedi Temple and the um, Senate presumably is, like, bankrolling all the Jedi. And I'm like, do you think that Anakin has access to, like, a, a Jedi Order credit card? Yes. For I just sure. think that's really funny. Like, they, go- they gave it to Obi-Wan for yeah, safekeeping, yeah, but then yeah. Anakin frequently Anakin steals it. Anakin steals it and knows the pin. But, like, in episode two, they go to a bar and buy drinks. And that happens, like, 800 times in Clone Wars. They have money. <laughs> they don't work a job besides being peacekeepers. So, like... <laughs> exactly can you fucking imagine follow that logic for a second that money because you know they're loosely connected to the government right probably comes from people's taxes uh can you fucking imagine being like on coruscant in a bar and you're like i fucking hate everything that's going on in my life i live in a horrible place and you look and see two jedi buying like big fruity drinks and you're just like those are my tax dollars (laughs) or the idea that like they'd have to get receipts for what they buy so they could like (laughs) send them to ap yeah yeah <laughs> be like excuse me um did, did you get a receipt for this drink you bought uh, jedi jedi council jedi order ap is is a night i i wouldn't want to touch it with a 10 foot stick um yeah so anyway they're in debt again <laughs> we've said that all probably that 14 times. <laughs> there's a lot happening um uh i think before they can get into like what jobs they can do or what you know whatever yeah. sid has to offer them uh they hear um a commotion out in the in the parlor and um this this mysterious stranger that we've seen uh, a couple times here um it turns out to be Rex. Well, also, yeah, he shoots a gun in this establishment <laughs> well, yeah, that's and the... scares all the patrons. Yeah, yeah. well, there's the two sort of patrons that are constantly in here. Yeah, the the leotard one and the, <laughs> the... other guy. <laughs> um, yeah, these two regulars get like kind of scared off by Rex who. Uh, they're they, they approach him and they're like you're in our seat even though there's like 800 the bar is empty because it's a school lunchroom <laughs> is why this is happening um and rex presumably like shoots some warning shots at them they freak the fuck out um but yeah it's rex uh we can see rex again um i like the little reveal when they yes. walk out you see his arm mm-hmm. and it's still he's we- still wearing his clone armor he's wearing this like um big big barf hoodie yeah. over <laughs> his big barf poncho which <laughs> i do enjoy i like that he doesn't forgo the armor he's just like no no i'll wear something over it like yeah not, yeah i mean to be fair does he have any other clothes i mean i guess they have the he like could suit underneath get but... other clothes sure it's been a, at least a little while since hey, the Empire took also, over. Also, we know he went and visited Cut, who gave everyone else clothing. Like, why didn't Cut's like, do you want some Earth Kingdom from Avatar clothing? And yeah. he's, like, and he's like, no. No, no, I have my uniform. And he's like, you understand that's very dangerous, right? And Rex like, is like, I have I, a barf poncho. I have a, I'll, I have a poncho that's got barf stains on it. Um, I'll wear that. And Cut is like, okay. He's like, anyway, bye. Um, bye. Yeah, no, I do really like this reveal. I was trying to remember when I first watched this. 
mm-hmm. like when I clocked that as Rex, because we do see his like eyes a little bit before. Yeah. And I'm like, did I know? Did I know? And then I love that, like, yeah, that he still has his hood up and he stands up and you just see his like quintessential like blue stripe mm-hmm. down his arm. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's very good. <laughs> um, and of course, they've met before in season seven. Also, Echo, obviously, is like friends friends with Rex. He knows Rex from from long ago. From the first, the fifth episode, I think. But the whole batch is very friendly towards him. So like, and and they've met before. Um, And then uh, when this happens, (laughs) this is one of my favorite scenes in this this episode. And it's when uh, Wrecker and Omega come back in. And Wrecker just... (laughs) just picks rex up <laughs> rex gives me a lot of vibes of like do not touch, touch me, me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's very sweet um it's very good uh i really like the scene where rex meets omega yeah it is very good yeah i didn't realize until you pointed it out earlier so rex is blonde whether he dyes his hair or not is um we're not going to talk about it he doesn't anyway He's a natural blonde. I think he's a natural blonde. Um, but I did not realize that uh, Omega is the only other natural blonde yeah. <laughs> that we see. Um, and I do like when uh, when he meets Omega and Rex is like, Rex, this is Omega. Um, he crouches down to her level, which is number one. So cute. Uh, <laughs> and she she backs up like half a step when he does that. Um, because she's her first thought, her first thing that she says when when she comes in the bar and sees rex is that like oh, i thought you guys didn't like regs and obviously her previous experience with any regs is that like they are inhibitor chipped <laughs> also mean <laughs> also they're mean yeah they're, maybe they're not mean directly to her but they're mean to her yeah to I the mean, to the batch and remember the sort of food fighting exactly yeah they're not kind so she's a little wary so she backs up half a step and then as soon as like she realizes um he's chill uh she gets closer to him and is like yeah. examining his face and he kind of backs up a little bit. He's just like, what's happening? <laughs> she's <laughs> like, what is a child? <laughs> she just gets closer and he's like, oh, okay. Um, I love the sort of like mini panic in his eyes when this is happening. Um, and she's like, uh, you're, you're a generation one. And he's like, how do you know that? <laughs> she's like, because of all the lines in your face. <laughs> And I, yeah i just it's so it's sweet cute, it's such yeah. a sweet moment i love that rex does a little like oh, i guess i have been around yeah. again he's like five or something he's like 11 or whatever <laughs> he's yeah. really not that old but like i don't know i feel like um I like these sort of sets of scenes next to each other because I feel like we get like a really high intensity scene with this like job that they're finishing mm-hmm. and then we get sort of like, you know, we're figuring out things about this world with Sid and then we get this like really quiet moment mm-hmm. and like per what we've seen, like the last time we saw Rex was Clone Wars season seven, which is like I would say some of the best TV writing I've ever seen and also some of the most fucking heartbreaking things that you'll you'll ever see in Star Wars, Ugh, right? So like so much. It it cuts me to to the to the bone, I guess, and like in such a good way. And like I feel like it I like that we have a few moments in this episode that doesn't directly have Rex being like, I'm really sad. And like a lot (laughs) of shit has happened, but I think we get these like kind of quiet moments in this line Mm -hmm. of like, I guess I have been around. I guess I have like seen things that Mm -hmm. it it feels like, uh, you know, obviously referential to that, but also, I don't know. Yeah. Not necessarily that honoring that, but it does feel like we're making room for that, which I really appreciate. I I agree. I think the rest of the episode also does a good job with that, with the little conversations that Rex has with um, Hunter or Echo. He doesn't outright say everything that happened, obviously, because how could you? But like, how do you describe? It's very much in his voice and in his tone. And yeah, no, I I really like 
this scene where he meets Omega. Um, I think he says, I've never seen a clone like you before or something yeah. like that. And I just, um, it's very sweet. It's like very much centering Omega as like the, the hope in this yeah. and like the sweetness. She is once again, just like always in everything being like kind and like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there's sort of like, I don't know. This <laughs> the scene has a sort of like vibe to it, a certain like emotionality to it where she's not just like being like, oh, I'm so sorry for what you went through. But she has just sort of an understanding in a way of like Rex that I feel like is really, really, I don't know. It's just sweet. And like, mm-hmm. I love that she continues to just like treat people with this sort of like childlike sweetness. That's yeah. like very specifically her. It's almost because of like who she is and the way that she is that way with a childlike sweetness she doesn't have to say anything yeah um and i also imagine that uh rex is probably thinking a lot of ahsoka because i mean yeah, while ahsoka is a lot older she's still a child like i mean i think since rex and ahsoka met she's she was a child yeah, i mean I was she say. was this you know she was like maybe 13 yeah exactly not much older than ahsoka i'm sorry not much older than omega um and so he's probably being reminded of that and is, yeah, it's, it's just very sweet. It's, um, it's a good scene. It is a good scene. And I, <laughs> I do like that we are then immediately thrown into mm-hmm. like kind of the, uh, not necessarily like inciting incident of this episode. I guess there's kind of a lot tumbling into this episode that gets the ball rolling. But, um, the main sort of plot point of this episode, which is that Wrecker, uh, keeps having headaches and this mm-hmm. like really, uh, starts the conversation again about inhibitor chips in like a a way that is it feels so nice to finally get like information and payoff for these things in Mm -hmm. a way so wrecker keeps having headaches rex is like i'm sorry do you guys still have your inhibitor chips and they're like tech says that it's not an issue right except for in crosshair and i love the response from rex like the immediate like he just met Omega, right? He, she's behind him now. He's going for his gun very, very slowly. And he's like, he's set on guard. He's like, oh, this isn't good. It's just like it's one of again those moments where you like you can see in his eyes, and like I have a design note about this later, but like you can see in his eyes almost like what he's seen and like how how he has so much personal experience now with these inhibitor chips and what they can do to people and like how tragic they are, mm-hmm. and like he can't see this happen again. Yeah. I love immediately. He's like, I must protect this child. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sweet. I love that Rex kind of continues to be like the sort of like just wholly good person. He's, Not that we didn't have that in the batch previously. But. To, he feels very much to me like the knight in shining armor in a, in the in the chivalric sort of sense. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He's just the very like, I guess in the old fashioned kind of traditional, he's just very good. Yeah, he is. And I think, and again, he has like a sweetness and a softness to him that Mm -hmm. like, I really appreciate that we've seen grow over time. He's very well-rounded. He is. He is like, I I think when I started watching Clone Wars, I was like, yeah, Rex is fun. And like, now I'm like, I, I adore Rex. Like, I think his character is incredible. And like, I I love him as a person. I think he's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to protect him at all costs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Um. essentially we you know that diffuses Mm -hmm. right um they hunter understands from rex which i also really like that interaction like how serious of a situation this is Mm -hmm. and like agrees to be like okay we'll get these out but like how are we gonna do this and i love that rex is like i will get back to you (laughs) yeah they're both sort of like standing there not in a western standoff like they're not with the intention but they're like something has upset this this balance uh, what's happening and i don't think uh rex relaxes until hunter's like okay how do you suggest we get them out like they're clearly not under the chip 
yeah influence they're and they're willing to work with him and and they also want to not have the chips um because clearly it's an issue um yeah it's sort of like uh in jaws when you hear the music start like mm -hmm. it is sort of a lingering Mm -hmm. uh in the background sort of terror not something that's so up front right now which is obviously what they're trying to avoid yes um yeah so the next time we see them they are in route to Braca. um i i really appreciate that we get to see wrecker being really concerned um pretty much in the entire lead up to uh to To the the removal of the chips yeah um yeah and i was thinking about this and i'm like it is interesting that we get to see wrecker being scared not just of like heights but this he he, he's very hesitant he doesn't like the idea of surgery he doesn't like this idea um i imagine that has a lot to do with the fact that like because he is the biggest and strongest he's like always used to being in control and probably the only times that he's not in control is when he's being um for lack of a better term i guess experimented on in camino yeah probably the whole time growing up um and he probably has a lot of fears about that specifically (laughs) yeah i mean i guess just the the general things that one would assume would come with being (laughs) a genetic experiment and also like they're in the field a lot and i'm sure i mean we see the big scar on his head i'm sure he's has some stories about that in general i'm i I like to see that it it seems like he again like what i was talking about earlier that he has like these legitimate fears that presumably are based on prior experience Mm -hmm. um and i don't know i just like that we get to see that we get to round that out and i like that I don't know. It, it's easy to have your characters just be like these fearless heroes. And like, I think Hunter obviously, obviously kind of, it takes that space in, in the group dynamic. But I, I do really like seeing that, like, these are real people with like real concerns about things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we see Wrecker being really concerned about, about Rex's plan and really unsure. Um, Tech's working on his chip scanner. Um, and then the Marauder lands on this huge planet that is just kind of one big ship graveyard. Um, you want to talk about that? And it's my favorite. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. I mean, I yell about this every time I watch these episodes. Um, but I just, I'm such a sucker, like, design-wise for, like, ruined things, ruins, especially ones that are, like, half-sunken in water. So I just, like, adore Braca. Also, it's just, the colors are great. And it's such an interesting, uh, it really is a great representation of the ghosts of the past, right? Yeah. Um, so, so specifically when it comes to Rex too, because if you remember one of the last times we saw him is when they were on a Republic cruiser and they crashed it, right? Mm -hmm. Is how they, how they dealt with the amount of clone troopers that were coming after them. Right. And Mm -hmm. I love seeing like, I don't know, it's, it's the ghosts of their past and the Republic and everything that was. And it's like, I love those like little design notes of like, this is, we're kind of telling its own story in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just really cool. It looks so cool. I love Braga. <laughs> it's also a really interesting concept to think about with the empire takeover. We're like, what were the, we talking we about? We were talking about this episode. with the droid decommissioning facility. Yeah, it's like, it's along the same lines of that. It's, I mean, presumably they'd need a place to um, put to rest ships that are not functional anymore. But like, I imagine it maybe wasn't as... Um, I mean, you see Republic cruisers everywhere. Yeah. Um, and not I mean, that they didn't, I guess, sort of repurpose some of them, but in order to have a chokehold on on the galaxy that the Empire has to have, you need to have like kind of a, a redo in uh, 
and aesthetics. Um, yeah, it you is, can't have these big symbols of like hope basically flying around. Yeah. It is so wild to me that like, and this is a, a, another whole thing about the empire, how fucking wasteful all these things yeah. are. I mean, like, it, and it proves the sort of character of the empire. They don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, with all of the droids that they're getting rid of instead of like, you know, remaking them or using them for like mm-hmm. materials of salvage. Like, and it's the same thing with these ships. Like they're mm-hmm. just getting rid of them and hiding them away and like paying people to get rid of them essentially as it comes to like the scrapper guild. And like, I don't know. It's just like, we don't care how much effort or how much money or how wasteful it is. We are the empire. We are going to do whatever it takes to be like the the universal order. Right. Yeah. And I think part of the reason or part of the way that they do that too is creating scarcity um yeah because I, I was just thinking about this i'm like i think in the in the original trilogy we 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 are introduced to a world that is a little more scrappy yeah than the prequels the prequels are very sleek we see a lot more um things being very i what's the word i'm thinking of are you talking about technologically not necessarily technologically but we just see more going around we see more more um more plenty more prosperity are you um, talking about oh, in the prequel era. in the prequel era and like in the clone wars even we, even yeah. though there's a war going on you still see um nothing seems very scarce really enter the empire era yeah and things are things seem much more like scrappy there's not enough to go around a lot of the characters we're introduced to are scavenging it's just like almost a completely different world and i really applaud this like very subtle way of telling that and like yeah. what happened okay there's a ship graveyard there's a droid decommissioning facility like yeah it's it's so background it's it's like beyond tertiary mm-hmm. like it's it's so 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 in the background that it but it colors the world but so it's much. yeah i was gonna say it's so integrated that like you don't really even have to think about it all that much it just makes sense in this transition from yeah one era to the next and uh, of course you would see these things yeah it uh it definitely I don't remember if this was, like, something I read somewhere from someone who worked on, like, the prequels or something like that, or if this was just, like, uh, an observation, like, a random person had made. But I do really like that, specifically between prequel and original trilogy, we have, like, such a dissonance when it comes to, like, design. And, like, obviously the original trilogy came out in a completely different era, or our era of filmmaking, right? So stylistically, things were different. Mm -hmm. And I really like that um, instead of trying to match that, they did something super different right pretty sleek like it still felt like the same universe but it was like stylistically really different and Mm -hmm. you know worked for like the era that those movies came out in but i love the narrative with that right Mm -hmm. like that's such a smart interesting thing to do that like because this huge world ending thing happens like everything changes and like everything becomes more scarce and like it's just a harder life to live now right Mm -hmm. it's just such a good uh, design in star wars is so fun uh, so they meet Rex on Bracca. He's taking them to um, a intact medical facility on one of the cruisers. They run into the Scrapper Guild. Um, I have another thing to say about this a little later on uh, in like two scenes. Okay. Not really. Um, but I like that uh, they're, they're wandering around. They're kind of just taking in this like ship graveyard and um hunter's the one that's like everyone get down because he he hears and or sees the scrapper killed floating about in there i don't know what they're called but they're Sick, sort of like <laughs> a sh- i don't even know yeah catamaran of a, <laughs> of a ship um yeah but he sees them first and i'm like i think we're seeing a little more of his sort of specialties 
mm, coming yeah. through. Um, we, we see it again in a second, but I, I really appreciated that. Um, because previously I don't, I mean, other than them telling us he, oh, he has heightened senses and that he will sniff dirt and then he sniffs dirt. Like we don't, we haven't seen him tracking in a while. Like we, yeah. uh, we don't get to see that. So I appreciate they're kind of subtly bringing in the like, oh, he's, of course he's the one to see or hear it first. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they were introduced to the court of, sort of the scrapper guild, um, which of course makes a lot of sense. Um, I love them. We don't see a lot of them, but they're cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rex kind of is talking to them about fives and saying how he he warned you know he warned me first, but I didn't know what he was talking about until it was kind of too late. And um, he asked them who told them about the chips, and they're like, "Oh, Omega." And I love this scene because they're like walking, and um, Omega's like behind. Uh, I think it's, I think it's Rex and Echo. Um, she's behind them, and she's like smiling. <laughs> she's just being very sweet. Um, <laughs> I have in the notes that Rex nerds out about ships when <laughs> he's talking about like the Venator class. I'm telling you, this guy is like a a war history nerd. He's a but in yeah. like a good way. <laughs> as I as we said previously, Rex Rex is like a World War Two peepaw and and uh, Hunter is like a JFK assassination peepaw. <laughs> like like the books that they probably would read. And Echo is a knitting and gardening. Yeah, peepaw. he's like I've seen enough of war. <laughs> he's like it's not it can't be a hobby for me. Um, I really like the line. Um, I think uh, I think yeah. I think Rex says um, this is a Venator class attack shuttle, not shuttle, but you know, cruiser. Um, it's first off the uh, first batch off the line. <laughs> I think Rex says just like you, Rex. I like that they're like, oh, you're so old. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I have a note about this later. Mm-hmm. He does look visibly older than them, but it's just like it. I don't know. It's just yeah. really cute. <laughs> it is cute. Um, we get this really fun shot uh, of oh, it's glorious <laughs> of Hunter. Um. And tech, they're kind of like uh, taking up the the, the rear. rear, and um, you get this like very crystalline water, so but also good. has a bunch of like a debris in it. Um, and this is another note where like Hunter just sees it kind of moving, and like clearly there's a monsty in there. Do you classic <laughs> Star Wars? Um, but he's the one to say like he's the one that to notice and be like, tech's like what do you what's what's wrong? What what is it? Um, and he's like stay above the water line. Do you think that Hunter could hear fully that there was a monsty down there? Oh, yeah. No, that's like, exactly what... Do you what... think that he's, like, walking along and he's, like, hears, like, a blah, blah, blah sort of noise? And he's like, oh, <laughs> shit. He's like, is that the sound of tentacles I hear? Hmm, weird. Mm. And Tech's like, what's wrong? And he's like, just don't go in there. Just there, don't go in there. I love that he doesn't tell them there is a monsty in there. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, but no, I, again, this is sort of one of the other times that you we get to see sort of his abilities at work that we haven't seen before. I, I wish they would bring this in a little more. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this before, but as as well as like the negative effects of having exactly. heightened senses. Like, we say. don't see him becoming very overwhelmed in a loud place or I sensitive to smells or something like that. I hope that we can get more of that in the next season. Like since we've since we've already done a lot of setup, we might have more time to like have these quiet moments of like i i do want to know about like the backlash of their abilities and mm-hmm. like again i do think and like we've talked about with echo like i would love to see like what his situation is and how he handles it to to make them feel even more like mm-hmm. rounded as characters i think we will get that i think that it's only inevitable Please. dave um, and brad and jennifer 
Yeah, but this is just so subtle that I, I mean, the first couple times we watched this, I didn't even kind of put those pieces together. No, but I didn't I'm either. Just like, oh, of course, he'd be the first one to notice that's these a, things. That's a great note. I do feel like he his abilities kind of get um, swept under the rug. Swept under the rug. I was going to say thrown to the wayside in favor of his sort of like Rambo-esque leader nature. Um, <laughs> uh, so it is fun to see, yeah, in like the subtle places. Because yeah. his abilities are, one would say, subtle. Um, it's not so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We're inside the cruiser now walking through. I just love the idea of them walking through this like busted ass ship it, it's just good i like i like busted ass sh- shit i do too <laughs> comes up a lot in rebels which also mm-hmm. is kind of reminding me of this episode um we have some more uh conversation um about rex and his chip he's very um someone asked him how he got his chip out and he's like oh, I, I had help um he's you know. so guarded and i think that's maybe what kind of harkens to this sort of internal sadness that like he won't i mean i mean he it would be easy for him to be like a ahsoka hell i mean do they even know who ahsoka is though i feel like uh when they meet him it's just anakin yeah. right because ahsoka's already left at that point mm-hmm. i do feel though like if you're in the arm the grand army of the republic and there's like a 19 year old and a 13 year old doing fuck fuck all. Really. I mean, but truly, like I feel like you know of them. But but here's the thing: there are other 13 year olds. That's right? a great point. Like, I don't know. He could have said, "My commander, right? Help." Yeah, me. but I guess it it does like foster this idea that it's still very. It's still. Exactly. It wasn't that long ago. A no. and B. It's still too painful to talk exactly. about. So all he can muster is that like is that he had help. My entire like headspace during this episode is like how desperately, and I think this is such a good play again, as we've talked about when it comes to like giving people just enough. But like, it's such a good play to not reveal that because it it has like a whole emotionality behind it right it feels like he's so guarded like Mm -hmm. he can't talk about it like it's so difficult Mm -hmm. and he's just like i had help like ah it's so good it tells a story in the background and i Mm -hmm. love it um i just made a note that like the shot where like they're they're in mid conversation and he kicks some dirt and rocks over the edge of this like broken chasm that shot is so good too like the detail you can see some of the dust. Mm-hmm. It's it's just very good. I have like an entire list at the end of this document <laughs> that's just like shots I like. Um, but yeah, so they they like have to cross this uh, chasm. chasm and there's like water beneath, and so they so most good. all of them except for Wrecker crawl uh, over on this cable, um, and Wrecker of course is the one to uh, break the cable and fall. He's he's still very concerned. His concern is ramping up. Um, I. Yeah, there's a lot of good, uh, I think, little moments in these interactions. I, I really like when, because Omega goes across, like, shimmies across the line before Wrecker does, and I really like that Rex is um, not, like, holding her when she gets to the other side, but, like, he has his hands there in case she does, but he's like, you can do it, kid. Like, I re- yeah. really like that, but, yeah, I also really like when we go back to Wrecker that he's, like, backing away. These are, like, two things, like, his two fears at the moment crossing over, and he's, like, not about it. Yeah. Um he is attacked by the he falls he's attacked by the the water type sarlacc water type sarlacc if this was pokemon it would be a water type sarlacc (laughs) yeah i was trying to find like any more utility to this other than sort of like um you mean ramping up wrecker's fears yeah um but otherwise i just i mean like monsters are kind of an integral part of star wars so it's fun to see that also i think if we didn't have this sort of like uh pre um something going wrong something going wrong uh i think it would be kind of 
uh, the episode would be not be boring talking but it walking. would be the rhythm would be off yeah for i sure. think this kind of resets the rhythm and and not that this threat is really a problem no at the moment once record gets out of the clutches of this water type sarlacc but <laughs> um it kind of it gives you this sense of like relief before they ramp the fuck yeah. up i also feel like uh it, it's it feels like it's really putting the spotlight on Wrecker mm-hmm. and that he is the one in hot water. He continues to be the one in hot water. And yeah. I think like when things obviously start flipping is like it makes a lot of sense because we, I don't know, continue to see him like he is up until this point kind of like still in the background of this episode. Yeah. And then like this at this point, he's like becomes kind of the focus. Yeah. Um, This is going to be a longer episode. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they successfully pull Wrecker up and they keep going. I like the line too that when they pull Wrecker up, Rex is like, Oh, this makes you miss battling clankers, doesn't it? Um and Wrecker just kinda tiredly goes, Yeah. Uh again, it's just very much playing off of this like past that yeah. they all have and yeah. how things are like very strangely difficult now yeah i do like obviously that that's kind of like the the a plot right is like yeah exactly things are a change in yeah um yeah so they reach the the med bay we have this fun interaction between tech and and rex so yeah when they walk in um it's very uh derelict as you would assume a a nasty ass ship would be i mean it matches the rest of the yeah it does Um, but Tech walks in and is like, I would no longer call this facility a sterile environment. <laughs> and then I love that Rex walks in. He's just like, do you prefer to use the facility on Camino? Like, yeah. he has a way of, like, being very cheeky about it. And then Tech immediately snaps. Oh, like, this will do nicely. Yeah. Um, it, it's just got to. It's a, it's a, it, it, it's a now or never. Like, yeah. It's a now or never. You have two options and it's either like go back to the empire or you do this right yeah. now, right here. I, I like that it has a way of communicating like the severity of the situation and also bringing a little like levity and mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Um, love a banter. A little sass. Yep. Uh, Especially since tech is usually the sassy one. Yep. He's kind of getting it back now. Uh, yeah. He, he dishes it and gets it. Um, uh, the next conversation that I think is important is uh, Omega is sort of um, becoming nervous and she's like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have your inhibitor trips out, but like we, just because like Rex did this doesn't mean it's safe. And like, what happens if you guys die? Like I'm going to be here alone. Um, And she's truly, she's kind of a, she's not babbling. Like she's not nervous babbling, but she's sort of like, we, it's the most kind of um, and anxious that we've seen her. Um, and, and Hunter really sweetly is just like, we're not going anywhere. You're stuck with us for the long run, which is such a sweet line. It's really sweet. And I really, I really love it. And I, again, I love seeing like, uh, now that our, our characters are developing fears, like Mm -hmm. Omega, you know, she, she took a big risk going with them. And I think definitely understands that. And is like the last thing that I would ever want is to be like, without you guys, Mm because like, you're my family. Um, how horrible would that be? Uh, and I do really like this sort of like Hunter being very, I don't know. Hunter is also moving into, we haven't seen a lot of like Hunter learning out, learning how to be a dad in mm-hmm. the most recent episodes, obviously, because we covered that. But I do like that we're getting these like little subtle things where now he's like, he seems to be having more emotional depth mm-hmm. in these conversations with Omega, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I wrote in my notes here, Hunter has hit his full dad stride now. Oh, for sure. Uh, it's a nice contrast from Echo from like previous episodes that we've seen him be the more sort of emotionally in tune. But I really appreciate that like, not that Hunter isn't, but I appreciate the um, 
readiness with which he answers Omega. Yeah, I really appreciate the readiness with which Hunter has this answer handy. Like, he doesn't stop and think. He's just like, you're stuck with us. Like, and it's, it's not only is he like, we're not going to leave you. Like, he doesn't make it a 100% serious moment. He's kind of um, trying to uh, get her guard down a little bit. Where yeah. he's like, oh, come on, you're stuck with us. Like, we're not going anywhere. Like, it's very sweet. He's, yeah. it, it's got the like same flavor of like someone trying to make um, someone they love laugh when they're crying. Yeah. It's just, uh, there's sort of like a, a multi-layer of sweetness going on in these things. And I just, again, like the dialogue is so simple. That was like three lines total and mm-hmm. it hits so hard. I, I love too that um, Rex is standing behind Omega mm-hmm. at this point and Hunter's like kneeling down um, to be on level with her. And after uh, he says this and yeah. then Omega kind of smiles at him uh, and is reassured, um, you see rex behind him just being like it's yeah just he's very like you're doing a good job yeah, like, he's like very, very like smiling and approving mm-hmm. like i feel like when we watched this last episode because i don't think you can see rex's face during this and i think when omega leaves you can see his face again it it pans up uh, yeah to him it's like up to his chest or something like that uh i really assumed him to be have sort of like a, a mourning sort of look on his face of like i miss having this with people i miss my family but he was just like genuinely like uh, approving happy for these this interaction that went on yeah he's very happy to see his these these boys who were like i think previously were pretty fucking rip shit yeah um being sort of uh softened i love the the version of rex where like he's a he's a generation one clone and like i don't remember if this is like a canon thing but to me it feels like generation one clones would be sort of like the elder clones and like also feel like everyone is sort of like you know their younger brothers that they're there to take care of and i really like the thought that rex is like you you know hunter have like matured and you're you're growing and like have you know become a a a new person and is like very happy to see that in a way Mm -hmm. so we keep moving we have that very sweet conversation in the meantime (laughs) um yeah so they're talking about uh I think Rex and um, Hunter are having a conversation about Collar um, and what oh, happened yeah, there. The um, and he's like, yeah, well, we couldn't save the Jedi, but, you know, we got the Padawan, uh, gave him enough time to escape. Um, and while this is happening, Tech is, like, readying Wrecker for the procedure. And as soon before he's going to, like, I'm assuming it's an anesthetic. Um, I believe Not anesthetic. So. Um, yeah. yeah, anesthetic. Yeah, correct. I believe it's an anesthetic that Tech is about to kind of inject uh, Wrecker with. And Wrecker's ship kicks in yeah i think because he's so nervous like this whole time he's been sitting there on that table just like kind of freaking out and you can see him holding his head he's in pain he's nervous he's we talked about this when uh hunter goes to get his gear off of him he like pushes him away kind of playfully but kind of not playfully like he doesn't realize that hunter is only grabbing his backpack he he just it's it to me it's like oh you're too you're too close to me i don't he's it's like he's getting kind of claustrophobic yeah i do uh I don't know. I just really like the everything leading up to this and then his chip activates and it's like a snap and then a silence. Mm-hmm. It feels so, uh, it's so, they essentially set it up so well. The music in this part is so incredible and like, it, it just feels really like ominous and really concerning to the point where every single time I watch this episode and like tech is, you know, 
then they're scanning Wrecker and then he's talking to him and he's like gonna you know he's like readying this anesthetic or whatever uh I'm just like oh my god just like inject him just do it Mm -hmm. because like something is gonna happen but it's like I don't know it's really funny as that is a viewer's experience and not like these characters they've managed right yeah they've manufactured it to to um, be so elicit that reaction of like not only is Wrecker ramping up anxiety uh the viewer is also ramping up anxiety it's it's a really something's clearly going to happen um and it does and the music does cut out and then wrecker uh i love that this um shot of his eye where his pupil expands and he's just like then he grabs tech by the The fucking neck which is a terrifying thing yeah um and he goes, you're in direct order of, uh, you're in direct violation of order 66. And then um, the quintessential. I I did write the good soldiers follow orders here. I don't think he says that until later. I think he, he says it at some point. He, um, he says it when he's with uh, Omega. Oh, that's right. Ah, yeah. uh, yes. Um, But yeah, I do really like <laughs> this. I mean, this is the back half of the episode, right? And once mm-hmm. again, it's just like an insane. I mean, I would say this is like the most insane we've seen so far for like these like action heavy second half of episodes, mm-hmm. Um, obviously because of the whole like built emotionality of it all. But like, it's just like, it almost comes off like as a sort of like opera in a way where like things are just going badly. I think of like montages in movies, right? That have just like music played over them and like everything is going bad, right? Like that sort of vibe to me of it's just kind of like these uh, dominoes falling mm-hmm. with kind of wrecker. Yeah. With all this setup, this, we finally see this, um, this happening. I mean, like I think, reasonably we could have seen the the setup of like oh wrecker's the one hitting his head and he's got headaches for him that you know oh okay obviously that was the setup for them to like for them to to want to take the chips out and and like so clearly something's going going wrong i don't know that it i mean it that was the setup for the, basically the front half of this episode yeah. i think the setup that they're doing with like wrecker being soft and childlike previous like in previous episodes as well as this is the setup for this shoe dropping yeah it's it is fucking insane how like i i feel like the first time i watched this there was like a a pit of my stomach feeling Mm -hmm. right where it's just like this is like the worst case scenario like that could ever possibly happen and it's just it it feels so yeah truly of of all the batch members to have this happen record's probably the worst because he is the biggest and the strongest and like the most rip shit when it comes to like fighting like if it was tech I, if tech is very smart i don't i think they could overpower him though, Ex- right? exactly because i don't think that um order 66 is doing anything where it's like and now they strategize really well right it's no, just like it's, it's purely fighting right yeah. and it's, like, well, it's okay. just follow the orders with the abilities that you have yeah uh but like wrecker is is you know the most you know fighting forward he's like the biggest the strongest <laughs> there's like, he is yeah there's no way all of the batch members could even overpower him. Yeah, he's gigantic. And like, again, it's so heartbreaking to see this because it is violence too. Yeah, it's 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 just complete like senseless violence from from him that we have previously seen a very sweet, soft, yeah. childlike uh, personality from. Um, and obviously this isn't like him. Yeah, it, I mean, I guess again. He's being influenced yeah that's that's the that's the whole crux right is like that we get to see so plainly someone who's so different than this become essentially yeah. a, a mindless yeah. senseless sort of robot um it, it is interesting the contrast between wrecker and and crosshair in this and we'll get into that when we talk about characters but man we're gonna get into that <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so they have this like huge fight scene where things go wrong. Like they like, take blows um, over and over and over again. This is it's very much like oh my god, how are they gonna? Because they can't again. They can't just kill him. I mean, no. I guess they could, but like they don't that's want like to. That's the last thing they would. This ever is absolutely do, the last right? thing they want to do, right? They have to like peacefully. They have to subdue him in some way, and like Rex almost jumps on it, but Record slaps the 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 gun out of his hand and it leaves someplace <laughs> it uh, leaves. it's like i'm out of here like fuck no uh i do just really like that again in this episode especially in this part we're getting to see wrecker in like almost like all of his i would say glory in a way like i i feel like a lot of times he's kind of sequestered to being the big dumb strong one but it's really interesting to see him legitimately be able to overpower and not necessarily outsmart but in a way outsmart all everyone who is here Mm -hmm. like i I think it gives him like an interesting sort of side that we don't see where like he's he's no longer the big dumb idiot he is like a a powerful he's like a machine right and like it's really not that i've ever belittled him but i think that there's a difference in like we've seen him um exhibit feats of strength before but he's always been very joyful while he's doing it he likes doing it it's something that he finds identity and he he enjoys um this is something different. This is cold. This is clinical. This yes. is calculating. It's like a, a side of the him warmth we've is never gone. seen before. Yeah. And I think maybe we thought we couldn't see with him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think specifically, right? So he fucks up tech. He throws him into a wall. Rex tries to shoot him. His gun leaves Um, <laughs> walks away. Uh, and then, you know, they turn to Omega and they're like, you stay here with tech, presumably to watch over him. Uh, and or just also, keep him, keep her out of Wrecker's path. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, they all go into the hallway and like, it's wild what happens. Like, right. So we have that situation where like uh, uh, Rex is shooting at Wrecker from behind a like a, a wall piece and like Echo tries to go for him. And then he just fully throws Echo by his face. He fully grabs Echo's whole head whole and face th- throws him into Rex's like stun, stun ring uh, and then rounds Rex and then into Rex. So like, you, yeah, you have a stunned Echo just like falling into Rex. Like, full on limp yeah. yeah and then like which i think knocks rex out right because he doesn't get back yeah out. and yeah uh and then and then record goes for hunter yeah and, this and is... he has him up against a wall he's like choking him out and omega fires not a stun round at him because i don't think the gun that she has can do yeah, stun it's like rounds. That weird semi-automatic one um, um she fires it like just to the side of his head to distract him yeah um and i do really love that like he record looks over mm-hmm. and all it takes to get rid of Hunter in that situation is he just like bangs his head against the wall yeah. and drops him. Yeah. And like like there is such a like cold clinical strength here. The that, way like, we, we see Hunter's see. body fall too. Like, face first too. Um yeah. while Wrecker is like stalking towards Omega, who we see like in the far uh, part of the frame. Background. Yeah. Um she, also just like the 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 fear and the nervousness and the like heartbreak in her eyes too as she's forced to like shoot at her friend. Yeah. Um is so heartbreaking it is and again like i I don't there is music over this right it's not silent yeah yeah um it it just has this sort of like tragic quality to Mm -hmm. it that feels really like poetic in a way yeah i feel like that's not necessarily something you would like put in star wars or think of something that would be in star wars but it really is just like these like unfolding tragedies yeah um, he goes after Omega. Omega scrambles into a, a, a kind of a closed off room and hides before Wrecker gets in there. Um, this part is silent and I really appreciate the flickering lights in here. It makes yeah. it feel very 
horror movie <laughs> it's very alien mm-hmm. like the movie mm-hmm. not it's not foreign no, to you it's, it's alien. <laughs> the movie with sigourney weaver um yeah. yeah with the flickering lights or even you know like something like dead space that's very much like yeah, based exactly. on that right it's got this sort of like horror element to um, it i believe the music does if you like is quieter here. i think it it's quieter but it also i think when because we see back and forth shots of omega hiding and then wrecker trying to find her yeah right and i think that builds to another like yeah plateau I th- I think when so. he rips open a door and it's like it's a rat instead of omega and it's yeah. like oh my god yeah um um and then of course he finds her and he is closing in and she's i this is one of my favorite tropes is when like this isn't you this isn't you please i'm your friend like don't do this the begging and pleading where it's like the last resort right where it's like you know this isn't gonna work but you're gonna fucking try yeah uh it is again it's so tragic well and it's so interesting that like i think we see this is when he says good soldiers follow orders as he's like raising the gun to to shoot her sort of a real punch in the face (laughs) yeah really um I, i think we hear him struggle a little bit but i do appreciate that like even her pleading is not enough to break him from this. Like it is truly a scary thing. It's like overwhelming. Cause I feel like this trope, right? Like with a, especially a young person who's like begging. uh, I feel like sometimes you'll have, you'll have the character like breaking out and being like, Oh my God, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's insane that it's like (laughs) this sort of like pretense to like a horrible, violent thing. And then she's just like begging and trying and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, the tension gets broken with Rex, our, our beautiful knight in shining armor, just actually being able to stun Wrecker and get him down, um, which sort of ends. Mm-hmm. Now we have a quiet moment, right? Now we have sort of the, the it's almost like a hurricane's been through and wrecked everything. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> now <you're, laughs> and now you're, and now you're, and now you're dealing with the aftermath of that where things are sort of in disarray and not as you once there's like a layer not a layer of like trust broken because it wasn't wrecker truly being this way but you have a, la- a layer of trauma there's like gravity now yeah like they've all seen firsthand now what exactly rex was talking about they they basically have experienced an iota of what rex has experienced because yeah. imagine if there were like 13 wreckers or whatever yeah um and it's just like, I love that no one's really talking now. Like mm-hmm. previously, it's like they were still joking. They were still, you know, poking fun at Rex and whatever. But like now it's like no one is talking. It's just silent. It's silent. Yeah. Well, well, Wrecker is in the procedure. Um, he comes out. He doesn't wake up right away. Um, there's like an added layer of like, oh, God, did did we, what did we dead? do to him? Is he, yeah. is he not even is he dead? But like, did we ruin him? Like, <laughs> Well, I do. Uh, tech is just like, oh, he's alive. But his vitals haven't stabilized. Yeah um so i guess there maybe is a moment where they're like "Mm, is he dead um yeah but yeah it is uh sort of like a you would hope it would be like an easy happy ending and it's like it doesn't give you that i think uh i think a nervousness too is is it's the is we he dead but like this show is very um mature in a way that it it uses stakes that aren't just like oh is this character gonna die or not the like easy stakes and i think that (laughs) some of the stakes here are is Wrecker going to return to his normal self? Um, it's not just, is he dead? Is, is, is he not himself anymore? Yeah. Once again, there is kind of like, I, I do. And we talk about this a lot in, in stories, especially in star Wars, that there is sort of like a fate worse than death. And that is mm-hmm. like a, a, a lot scarier of a stake to set up than just someone dying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, yeah. they do this, these scenes really well. Um, yeah. So, um, 
it takes a while for him to wake up. And I love the conversation that Rex and Hunter have where Rex is like, why don't you take Omega topside and like get some air? And Omega's like, I'm not going anywhere. Um, like she's as committed. Like she's, again, it's just very cementing her as a member, an equal member of this group and yeah. not just like someone that they're caring for. Yeah, no, I love, I was, uh, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to talk about this. I like that uh, Rex and Hunter are having a conversation like adults would about a child exactly. where they're like, why don't you take her out of this situation? It's a very serious situation. We don't know what's going to happen. Like treating her like a child, maybe in a more traditional sense of like how someone would treat a child. Because um, she is a child. Because she is a child. Um, and I, I love the like, oh, why don't you take Omega outside to like distance her from this situation? And I love that she's like, no. Like, A, she's listening to their conversation. Um, but like, I, I love that she is as protective of them as they are of her and like she is like i'm not going to be you know treated like a a child not that rex is treating her poorly or anything with suggesting that but like i like that she does have like uh, i don't know an equal footing in a way in these situations like they're like okay like i don't know like she is treated with autonomy i appreciate too that she isn't railing against like oh I, i will not be treated like a child we don't see that we just see her putting her foot down and like this is i am a child and this is what i want to do and they're respectful of that committed to what she wants to do yeah um so he eventually wakes up uh and he is good old wrecker again um and I, i love the conversation that they have so all the rest of them get their chips out and then wrecker comes to omega after that happens i believe and is like so tearfully just like i'm so sorry like i i couldn't control it i i tried to stop myself but i couldn't and and she's like i know i understand and it's okay um and he doubles down he's just like i but i'm sorry um and we get to see this like even more this like sweetness from him uh as contrasted to you know what just happened yeah it's just it's so nice and again like it's really interesting to like contemplate that he kind of had like an awareness when this was going on like Mm -hmm. when he was under the influence of the chip and and was trying to fight it uh that has a lot to to say i would say about crosshair's experience right Um, well i think even rex earlier i cannot remember specifically the season seven episodes but when rex is talking about this he's in the beginning of this episode he's like trust me it's something you can't control and i'm pretty sure in the season seven before he starts going like completely robotic with ahsoka he's like i think he says something like run like get out like i can't so he knows what's going on so there's an awareness and that's been established yeah that they know what they're doing but it's just that like at some point they can't stop you kind of go it fully takes over yeah and like you can't yeah Mm -hmm. because i think ahsoka then like knocks him out and gets his chip out after that in those episodes Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know it's just again i like that it's also showing this sort of like side of Wrecker where he is kind of like mournful and also responsible. Yeah. Like where he's like, I understand the emotional weight of what I just put you through. I have that, you know, understanding. Um, and I want to apologize for it. Like the amount of people who just like apologize or like say thank you or whatever in this show is so just good. like, I. it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like I didn't realize like how much that wasn't in places, even that easy under, like, I don't know, easy way to see the emotional integrity of someone i guess or intelligence of someone it's it's nice to see it here essentially Mm -hmm. they make it really easy they make it very natural um it's not a struggle and again we've talked about this i we appreciate that we don't see hunter struggling to be soft he is he's nurturing he's soft 
Um, they just have sort of their own flavors of softness. Yeah. And, and it's not a struggle to be emotionally intelligent. And like, even though Wrecker is often like painted as not the one that's not as smart, like he's more strong than he is. Uh, he's more, he's more uh, brawn than he is brains, obviously. Um, but he's still emotionally intelligent. He's yeah. still, uh, he's not an asshole. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like we often, it's a very like the jock stereotype. Yeah, exactly. Right? he's not that yeah it's so refreshing to and i know we've kind of like touched on these like concepts of like in other stories like how male characters are treated Mm -hmm. um it's so refreshing to just be like regardless of their sort of like trope or archetype like these people are emotionally intelligent in a lot of ways and like they're not perfect they're people but like there is no like like we were talking about with Hunter, like there's no like I'm struggling to understand how to be emotional or like, oh, I don't like having emotions. Like there's none of that like bullshit mm-hmm. anywhere, which I it's just so nice. Mm-hmm. And it, it allows us to have room where these characters are people and mm-hmm. operate like people. Yeah. Telling very human stories in this show. Truly. Very, very human stories. And then we jump to Hunter and Rex going outside for a conversation. Yeah. So we get the idea that like most of things have kind of died down and we leave off on a good note of um Wrecker and Omega sharing her pocket full of Mantel mix. Mm. Very the line that she says is like, "Well, the mission's over." Like, it's very, very sweet. Um, yeah. So we see Rex outside um, on a sort of weird balcony, I suppose. I think it's just like a bit of the ship that sticks out. It's sort of a, a makeshift balcony. <laughs> yeah. So For he their and good he's conversation. Yeah, he's um, communicating with somebody, and he's like, "Okay, I'll be there on the next rotation." So he has other people that he is. Uh, in contact with and then hunter comes out uh and they have a conversation about fighting back against the empire um and rex is like hey like you know i'm glad i found you guys and and we could really use your group's strength um in this fight um and hunter basically says our our priorities have shifted and i have to do what's best for my squad um and rex is like i what is that like what does that mean? <laughs> Sorry, the way I said that made it seem like Rex was confused as to what that yeah, meant. No. He knows what that means, but he's saying, "What? What are you gonna do?" Yeah, what? What does that mean for you? Um, and Hunter's like, "Well, I, I really have. We really haven't figured it out yet." Um, Which again, I do really like. Yeah, this interaction is great. I have more notes about this conversation later, but um, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that Rex respects that and, um. Yeah, I, I like this contrast between these two uh, these two leaders. Rex leaves. He walks into the fog. I'm Just, sure you have more to say about I, that. I, in, I in have a, a whole list. <laughs> um, and then we... I, I like this transition so yeah, much where we good. get a, a shot of Hunter looking out where Rex had previously walked off on. Uh, but it's through one of the scavengers um binoculars like instead of it being like a we get a reverse shot from like rex walking off and it's like you know a a wide shot of you know just um hunter it is just like yeah then it's in binoculars i love that i love uh because it leads us so well into because this is the end of the episode right Mm -hmm. where it's just like oh it's the scrapper guild again and they they know what's going on and they've radioed to someone and they're well they specifically say uh notify the empire oh there we go so we're clear that like in a way we've um diverted a disaster but on in another uh another disaster is on its way basically i was gonna say it's (laughs) kind of like the other shoe just dropped but we've been (laughs) dropping shoes this entire fucking time (laughs) exactly there's just eight shoes on the ground now (laughs) 
Um, yeah. I also, <laughs> this is a really random note, but I really love the um, the vocals on this guy's mask when he says, uh, notify the Empire. They're so garbled, but also like, have a very I don't know I don't know how to describe it. It's a very Star Wars quality this yeah. this sound has. I like it a lot. Sort I love the I scratchy. love a, I love a mask that uh alters distorts. distorts vocals. Very good. Anyway, shall we jump into characters now? Yes, which obviously we talked about a lot, but we can absolutely go through again cuz there's there's this is a meaty episode when it comes to character interactions again in a very subtle way. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about Omega? Um, mostly the only note I had here is just like, uh, as we've talked about with other characters, it's really nice to see um, her fears. I mean, uh, previously we've kind of seen her be interestingly fearless for the most part. Sans like, uh, I think in the second episode with like the Nexu that comes, cause, but that's mm-hmm. like a big animal. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's kind of a difference between like a, a an apparent danger fear and like... Um, this sort of emotional intelligence she shows where she's like, I understand that like, I'm scared of being left alone and I'm scared mm-hmm. of losing you. Um, and I'm just, I really like seeing that. I like seeing these characters rounded out episode by episode in really, I don't know, creative ways just through like natural conversation. It really is. I, I mean, she's telling someone that this is her fear, but we really are being shown it in an organic way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. She just continues to be such a sweet, lovely character. And I'm, I don't know. I just, I love her as a lead in this show. She gets very much more, yeah, like you said, much more rounded out. Um. Instead of like, again, it's really fun to me to like kind of think from a different perspective where like where, in what universe this show isn't as good as it is. And like in the first episode, we just got like, I'm Omega, like (laughs) I'm fearless and a child, but I've never seen the world before. And also I'm scared of being left alone. I'm lonely, you know, like, yeah. That sort of like traditional fantasy genre info dumping thing that is like very common. Yeah. Um, it's again, it's nice that we're seven episodes in and then we're seeing this, right? Like it has such a natural, like as they, you know, find out about Omega, learn about her and like grow with her, like mm-hmm. so do we and you know. I yeah. Don't know. It's a cool progression. Um, yeah, we're reaching the, I think the next episode is truly the season like uh, middle it's yeah uh and i i love that we see her too much more as an integrated part of the batch at this moment in this episode um when the consequences for the batch being uh lost are very high we see her grow a lot in the last six episodes um and i think especially jumping in with i mean we just said this but like jumping in with the uh, the firefight in the first part of this episode really cements that like okay she's part of this group now she has her role she knows she knows what she's doing um she's become very cemented in this and then of course the stakes for this episode are is this all going to come crashing down yep they're Um, wildly high yeah it's very good um i want to talk about hunter talk to me about hunter he's not in this episode uh too too much i mean (laughs) it's not in this episode (laughs) goodbye i mean it doesn't really center on him but i do love that um previously we've had him contrasted with like echo um as sort of like this mom and dad uh, team um and uh and he's kind of the only other like reg i mean it's not fair to call echo a reg but he's the closest he's a thing reg to with a, some zest <laughs> he's he's the closest thing to an actual reg that we see in this yeah. group um and now he's being contrasted with uh with rex who is the the actual, only the actual reg that like yeah the reg to end all regs essentially <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, and previously, we've also seen him contrasted with like another sort of leader, leader figure in like in Rafa. And they are completely at odds the entire time, right? Where like they're both sort of giving orders or like Rafa's not used to taking orders and neither is Hunter. And um, yeah, but we don't see Hunter and Rex at odds. Um, we see them very, uh, they, they work, they're, they're pretty much on the same level here. Um, and they work together despite the Batch's historic dislike of, of Regs. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's like a testament to them as characters because the only other time we've seen them work together is uh on Skako minor when they go get echo yeah um and there is tension between them um as the regs and the sort of the misfits of the clones yeah um though i think that has a lot to do with the fact that on Skako minor they're running a crew with like it's cody and also i think like jesse and kicks and stuff are there like there are other regs there, there. are doesn't Cody get knocked out? And then yes, he does. He gets like sent on that mission with him, and then like very quickly, it's just like. And then fifteen minutes later, it's like, just I like gotta go oh back. no, yeah no, um, yeah. So there are other rigs, but there there's a um an enmity between them. But I I'd like to think that they maybe have gone on other missions. I don't know. <laughs> they're familiar with each other in a way, or or at least maybe hung out a little bit where they're like, oh, we like Rex. He's cool. He's chill. He's a nice yeah. guy. Um, but. I don't know. I liked seeing this um, dynamic between them too. Um, I I think that they're more representative of uh, kind of what was and what is in a way. Yeah. Um, where Rex is kind of seeing Hunter go through all these things that he presumably has gone through with like Ahsoka, and uh, in the idea that like he needs to protect this. N- not that Omega and Ahsoka are on the same level. No. Um, but. There is sort of like a, a similarity. In a way, Ahsoka was, in a way, Rex and uh, interacting with Ahsoka was, was kind of a similarity to that sweetness, right? Yeah. Where there's like, I don't know. I, I think uh, essentially Ahsoka sort of like, in, in a way, fed into Rex's character. Yeah. In a similar way that Omega is feeding into the, the Batch's character. There's a similarity-ish between them. Yeah. Um, Even just in sort of structure. Mm-hmm. I, I just like seeing that um, yeah. between them. It's also interesting to note that like when they're in Sid's parlor uh, and they're like finally just like hanging out with Rex uh, after he's done being all mysterious and broody. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like it's one of the only times that you see Hunter kind of relaxed. Like he's like leaning against the bar. He's drinking something. I noticed that too, which is interesting. Previously, he's been like all of them have kind of been just like switched on. They're like, okay, we're already we're ready to go. He's he's leaning back. Yeah, even when this is like when Tech is talking about mm-hmm. the inhibitor chips, and clearly you you understand that he doesn't think it's an issue <laughs> yeah. because he's fully just like continuing it's to like, drink. yeah whatever yeah yeah. Um, no, I think that's really interesting. Uh, I, I like these two, um, leaders contrasted. Do we have anything else to say about Wrecker? I feel like we've talked so much about Wrecker. I mean, again, I do just like how... We didn't quite talk about the the direct contrast between Wrecker's chip activating and crosshairs, which I think is interesting, um, that we're going to see. It's also, we're going to see very quickly in the next episode. It's kind of hard because it's like we have a little tidbits here and Mm -hmm. like you can read between the lines to get there, but there is so much payoff for that in the next episode so i I, but i do want to note that like crosshair's chip activating and wrecker's chip activating are very different and again dropping some more breadcrumbs but uh 
Like so, so subtle. So subtle with Crosshair and it wasn't violent and it wasn't like, you know, it, it, it is, was different. It's almost, I was thinking about this when we were watching the episode because I'd seen this note on the doc, but like, it's almost scary to me and like it, it understandably, understandably, um, scary to me because of how in control Crosshair seems the mm-hmm. last time we saw him when he was taking out the insurrectionists and also the um the random people the who refugees were, who were trying to yeah. escape um Onderon, right and like how yeah how absolutely like cold-blooded in control he is there's no like mania there there's no sort of like he just starts shooting people like he i mean he does obviously, he knows what like, he's doing but he knows exactly what he's doing there's no like uncontrollable nature to it he is 100 percent in control all time all, at all times right and then we have wrecker who like can't control it and doesn't want to be here like he doesn't want to be doing this mm-hmm. um it's just so and he, eerie. he he just turns so distinctly non-wrecker yeah. too whereas crosshairs even in the first episode when we see the the closest that we see crosshair to kind of going uh into a mania is when they're on collar but yeah. he's still he's still he's so, still pretty in control of his faculties i mean like characteristically it makes sense that he's so like on point precise like he is mm-hmm. archetypically the sharpshooter but like uh-huh. he is like, it doesn't seem in contrast with his character that we've seen mm-hmm. previously, right? And I think that's, like, it's so fascinating. Also, in the first episode, the only other time that we see him kind of clearly under the influence of the chip is when they're um, trying to escape Camino, And yeah. he comes in with his, his new squad. His crew. His boy crew. His boy crew. His crew boys. Um <laughs> And he has a full conversation. He's not yeah. hasty. He's not just, like, if he's not efficient. He has it, this, like, confrontation with Hunter that he feels is important to have. Yeah. Um, which ag- is really interesting. Again, when we see a wrecker here, like, he immediately grabs Tech by the throat and then throws him, right? Because he's like, well, any person who goes against Order 66 needs to be killed, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we have Crosshair in the first episode who knows that that is exactly what the Batch is doing. Uh, and he still takes the time to have like a whole ass conversation with them. Yeah. Like he is, again, he is so in control and it's so wild that like, for the most part, what we've seen of him, like crosshair with the chip activated in crosshair without are like almost indistinguishable. They're very similar. It's, I mean, and again, this is why earlier in this episode with Wrecker, we set up so much of his sweetness and so much of his like overt kindness and sort of childlike wonder in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it obviously all comes crashing down, but it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a great contrast. It is. I am fucking stoked for the next episode. Yeah, same. Okay. Do you want to talk about Rex? I would love to talk about Rex. Rex, my sweet, sweet boy. Talk my to su- me my about summertime Rex. Boy. Um, <laughs> summertime boy. <laughs> what is that line from Shadows? Um, My good time boy. There we go. Um... I, I love and My adore sweet Rex. cheese. Yes, there we go. <laughs> um, I, I, especially since those season seven episodes, I think he has the sort of like sad, sad qualities that I love. Um, <laughs> I love just like really bittersweet tragedy and things. And so uh, season seven, this is why I say it's like probably some of the best TV writing I've ever seen is just like it was incredible for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seeing Rex aged this is kind of a design note i wrote about this a little later but like he has visible like crow's feet wrinkles on his face now which like i don't mm. believe he had in season seven um, what's funny to me is that it's not that far be- past season seven but like it's i real- imagine the stress <laughs> yeah, has exactly. been more of an indicator of this, um, yeah. it's a real obi-wan ewan mcgregor to alec guinness pipeline where he's just really fucking stressed out um <laughs> and lived on a desert planet and probably didn't moisturize or drink enough yeah. water 
Um, as opposed to Bail Organa, <laughs> it's living. Who looks the same the entire Forever. time. Yeah. Good for you, Jimmy Smits. <laughs> um, yeah, I just love, I love seeing how characters have been affected by things that we've seen, even like in the background. Like, obviously, he looks older. He, he seems a lot more like wearied. And he's a little bit less, like, cheeky than we see him in Clone Wars, right? Like, I feel like when he's, you know, in the episodes we see with him when he's interacting with, like, Anakin and Ahsoka or, like, Cody and the other clones, like, he has sort of, like, a fun and funky nature to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he he feels very, like, burdened with the things that he's seen, obviously and rightly so. And I love that we see that. We've talked about this so many times now in sort of the background elements of this episode uh, and the little things that he makes reference to. Um I kind of talked about this already. I really like that he treats Omega like I would say one might more traditionally treat a child. Um, I think that just harkens to Rex being a slightly more regular dude than the batch um, <laughs> in a way. Uh, he just has an interesting way of interacting with her that I really a- appreciate the contrast to the batch. Um, I don't know. I just love Rex. He's I still the same Rex. <laughs> he is. Love him. Uh, I think what you just said about him treating her more like a child does it, it's also a testament to like how far the batch has come with omega yeah um which is good it's I, interesting i just like i don't know if you ever think about like it not that rex has had more interactions with kids but like we've seen a lot of clone wars episodes where they're dealing with like refugees and like people being sort of like pushed out by the separatists and i feel like maybe he's had more interactions with children than the batch who do these like insane not necessarily like black ops missions but like they're pulled but in kind of black ops yeah, missions. like in like the we don't have anyone else who can do this bring in the rip shit boys yep um and here they come um but yeah no i just i love the contrast i like that he it, it's hard to describe this manner of speaking in a way that doesn't feel like he's belittling omega i don't think he's doing that but he talks to her like on her level but like understanding that she is like a young child Mm -hmm. and like there is again it carries a sweetness with it i think that there's like probably a um a desire for protection there too in that like he was almost incredibly responsible for yeah ahsoka being harmed in a really really bad way like and not that that's like a guilt or anything like he didn't like but he is but it's like a knight in shining armor. He's a knight in shining like, armor. He's that kind of archetype. He's very protective and he wants to um, do everything he can to not cause harm. It's just like, it's so good. And I just mm-hmm. like, I love, I love that we see him change and I love that it still feels right, like Rex. Mm-hmm. I also really like, I was going to note this when you were talking about it. I love that when they're in the med bay, uh, Hunter and Rex are talking about like what happened on Collar and I love that Hunter is like yeah we were able to save the Padawan he got away and I'm like I wonder if Rex ever in the period of time before like during Rebels if he was like oh my god that was Kanan <laughs> <laughs> he's just like that little piece of shit <laughs> who I like <laughs> they have a fun rapport in that show I just like remembered that that was Kanan suddenly um, that's all I got yeah. for characters I'm gonna jump in the themes yeah, you seem to have a lot written down here, so um, I'll serve it on over to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me just... It's hard because um, we don't really see a lot of the hope aspect. We don't really see a lot of good and evil. And the power of choice slash destiny fate is kind of coming to a head here. Yeah. Um, just mostly in conjunction with the inhibitor chip. I think we can like safely say that the the chips are sort of linked to this destiny slash fate aspect, right? And we've been dealing a lot with that, especially 
um, on the other side of that coin with the power of choice in becoming mercenaries over soldiers. They're, they're putting on, they're taking off one identity and take, picking up another. Um, and it's been a challenge for them. Um, and this episode and what happens in this episode is truly kind of a, a turning point for them. You, we literally see them surgically, bloodily becoming uh, apart from their previous life. Yeah. They're severing this connection with who they once were and, and who they once were destined to be. Um, it, it, it's an interesting concept because like, I think as a theme, destiny is very... Um, you, you can't fight against it. And the more you fight against it, inevitably it the, becomes the, stronger. The Oedipus Rex sort of situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or the, or the, that's so Raven sort of. Yeah. <laughs> where, where oftentimes if she just didn't do anything about the vision, it wouldn't have come true. But you know, the two yeah. things that tell us that if you see the future, you should just <laughs> not do anything. You know how that's so Raven is like Oedipus Rex. <laughs> In this paper, I will. Destiny as a theme, very much. The more you fight against it, the more, the stronger it becomes. Uh, traditionally, that's how destiny typically works in storylines. Um, we don't quite see it working the same way here, um, which I enjoy. And I, it feels much more Star Wars to me because I feel like a, a tenet of Star Wars has been this concept of, oh, you have this destiny, but it kind of goes wrong or um, it's not what you thought it was. Yeah. or And, and then it kind of morphs into a, well, what are you as a person going to do about it? What's your personal choice in this? So we kind of have this like switch over to the power of choice. Um, and I think that there's a lot of heaviness in this conversation that Rex has with Hunter um, in that, of course, Rex is the one who's like fighting for the greater good and trying to put together some rebels and, helping people and not that he's surprised when hunter is like i think our priorities have changed um but i think it's just that conversation is so important to put a line between i mean the batch is is moral but they're they don't feel like their job is to fight for the greater good of all people right they're they're first and foremost a family they've been given the power to choose what they find important and what they need to fight for. Um, and they choose each other first and foremost. Um, and I think this concept within the batch puts this huge line between the rest of them and crosshair, right? Yeah. Who chose the empire, but more than that, he did not choose the batch. Yeah. Um, it's, it's basically this episode and this, this conversation, I think thematically is driving this line further between the two. Yeah. Um, which is of course, more setup for the next episode and yeah. the following episodes of the season. And again, it's nice. It's interesting seeing how these things are happening in like the background, like the entire time. And again, with the the omission of Crosshair and his whole storyline in these episodes, there's like now a huge mental divide mm-hmm. between what we've been seeing and what he's been doing, mm-hmm. presumably. Um, it's just so interesting. I really like this note that you have about like choice even extending to this concept of like rebels versus the empire and that like it's almost like (laughs) the batch chooses like to not go into this like binary of like rebels and empire in a way this is kind of like weird to explain but like it's like no we're choosing each other and we're gonna be kind of like outside of this narrative at this point in time right like instead of it just falling into your typical sort of like star wars like oh you're on one side or the other they're like we have different priorities like Mm -hmm. 
this has changed us Mm -hmm. and like i don't know like again i think that goes along thematically with what we talk about about this being star wars but like with sort of things flipped on their head right where it's like they could have been like yes we're the good guys so we're gonna fight with you rex the rebels or like we're gonna help you you know do that it it becomes something like there's a third option i i i foresee them at some point getting involved in the rebellion um it's very the rebellion's very nascent at this point so there's not a huge uh uh cause at this point but i really appreciate that we are seeing essentially what um like they are finding their own identity and their own reasons for fighting right we're seeing them in the midst of that um it reminds me a lot of that conversation that cassian and Jin have where mm, yeah. like the contrast between them where like Jin just hasn't cared for so much of her life and she's just kind of like trying to survive and whatever and cassian is the opposite he's cared so much um and he was was born into caring essentially yeah and he's been he's been in this fight since he was like a six-year-old or whatever yeah Yeah. um and we we don't we don't necessarily get to see how cassian got there um we do get to see how Jin gets there and i love the idea that we are currently seeing um this group's um in their struggle for identity finding out what it is important to them to fight for yeah right now that's themselves and their group survival yeah um but i i mean obviously they are going to find meaning in that yeah um which will then i think propel them into the bigger good versus evil fight they essentially have to figure out who they are as people before they can like go outside of themselves to realize what is important that they do for others in a way in Mm -hmm. a bigger group of others right exactly um and i appreciate that they're not that the the creators of the show are not just like shoving it into the right into the good versus evil yeah exactly um you you gotta find those like little moments and things that fight you fight for that make it worthwhile and remind you why you got into this in the first place and why you are why you are a good person um and i love that we're seeing that yeah it's nice to see i mean this is what makes it like i this show i think so incredibly well done and also incredibly human stories is just this like we're seeing the changes happen like inch by inch right and it's just so satisfying and like i I think it's a a nice thing to see that like obviously not everyone is born into the rebellion and like you know into that way of thinking they're not raised with that so like what is it that takes people to like all the way to fight for good Mm -hmm. right i also appreciate that like a lot of the times these stories um that it's sort of that like (laughs) <laughs> that meme of like oh my backstory has been unlocked mm-hmm. my sad backstories has been unlocked and, and the reason that i'm fighting is because i once saw this terrible thing or yeah. like uh i stood by when i could have done something the, ju- you mean just black wall yeah I, I was literally Age? just thinking of black wall <laughs> and that sad conversation he has with you in the tavern about a dog <laughs> yeah um but i enjoy that this inception story of them trying to find out what um they fight for is not like traumatic or sad in a way that a lot of those like tragic backstories are yeah it's not it's very hopeful it's very i fight because i i mean imagine it will turn out to be i fight because i've i have the hope and i want everyone else to have it yeah rather than in an angry sad way yeah like i don't know rebels also kind of had this flavor in a way where it's like you know i fight because like i care about in a way this family and like there, there are some interesting episodes in Rebels where it's, like, because in the latter seasons, they, like, joined the bigger re- rebellion, mm-hmm. essentially, that had, like, kind of grown. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all kind of were separate and then came together. And, like, there's a lot of, like, doubt, especially from Kanan about that. Um, 
I, I like seeing those things and I like that we're essentially getting an entire show of that an understanding not necessarily of like oh we don't necessarily want to rebel it's just that like we have different priorities like that this is not necessarily what we're about right now mm-hmm. um it's just really nice man the show's fucking good um it's a lo- it's a show of a lot of little moments i, I love that so it's much it's just so sweet and again it feels mm-hmm. like star wars without like falling into what i kind of don't like about star wars anymore the sort of very tropey good versus evil stuff again that stuff is only really um poignant and important to a viewer when you've set up these little moments when you have the backstory of rex and ahsoka and of the batch fighting for and with omega you just you know you need to show the um how you got here and that's equally as important as the final showdown uh would you like to talk about your design notes your I mean, all of julia's my, design corner my design corner that i've taken a lot of notes about which is interesting because we are in two places total pretty much one place the entire episode but shit it's so cool um yeah i i have so many things that i like the lighting in this episode is great the colors in this episode are great um i can literally just start at the top of my notes i love when you know rex gets revealed we've already talked about this i love that they show off his sort of characteristic blue stripe on his arm um just like how characters get revealed in this show i feel like is always in a really clever subtle way we've seen his eyes previously we see his eyes again and then we see his you know blue stripe and then his entire face and like it just has a way of like ramping up visually that i think is really fantastic and really does sort of like affect you know our viewership of it mm-hmm. um our reception of it uh, i particularly like we talked about this a little bit um the lighting in the scene when he finds out that they still have their inhibitor chips and he's like immediately that scene flips oh lovely little snap there um from being chill right to being very tense uh and i love that we see rex's stance his whole body language change right and he's like a little bit hunched over and he's like looking sort of like up you mm-hmm. know like he's you know got his head down a little bit um he's in a very defensive like sort of stance but i love that like the lighting in this scene like one half of his face is very like green and the other half is very red just from like the the lighting that's happening in sid's bar and it feels very like i don't know very dual very like fighting in a way red and green are complementary colors they're very opposite um i don't know i love this like you know and we've talked about the narrative of like these two natures or these like destinies and choices right and it just becomes very um very opposite also in that scene he has like this really really white highlight in his eyes um that weirdly makes it feel very um off kilter in a way like he seems almost like a little crazed in that moment um it it reminds me of this painting that i really like the painting that we talk about yeah it's called christ pantocrator um and it's uh an image of jesus christ and it's but the the lighting on either side of his face is very different to the point where like one eyeball looks like he looks a little insane yeah um i i i love this painting it's one of my favorites i've seen that painting before right for years i was like oh this is just like a weird rendering it's not you're supposed to sort of like cover almost one half of his face to see and then the other to see these like dual sides right it's the wrath and the peace that are coexisting constantly i love that i just like i've studied art for so long and i never fucking knew that um (laughs) i think the biggest sorry this is a random but i think the biggest mistake a lot of people make is dismissing the intentionality in things that look strange to them yeah but anyway unless it's like dogs in rococo paintings or something 
sure there was a reason for that <laughs> they're like whether that know. reason is just the artist has never seen a dog before <laughs> like or not fun and, funky, <laughs> fun and funky time with those guys um yeah i just i i love the way that these scenes go from like very fun and relaxed like the the i don't know um vibe that we've been getting off of previous episodes and then immediately we have rex with these like crazy dual lighting and these white 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 highlights in his eyes and everything feels a little like it's very i said just you know off kilter unknown you don't know what's going to happen it feels like we've built attention i love that like the visuals support that so well um yeah it's just it's just great i just fucking love it um and then i just have shots i just have a list of shots half of which are in all caps um because i love them so much uh you pointed this one out and i wrote it down when they first get to i almost said collar nope when they first get to Braca and they land in that um hangar bay uh which by the way i like that rex is driving a y-wing i believe he gets that at the end of season seven i cannot remember um but they're walking <laughs> there's a wide shot where they're walking out of the, the hangar doors after they land and there's just like a bunch of beautiful like god rays the big rays of light mm-hmm. coming in um it's just so great. It's such a great way to like start. And then we go to like these crazy wide shots. Um, and I just said in all caps, all of the exteriors, which is like, there's a, a bunch of them, which we already made note of, but like <laughs> every time they're like walking on a big, huge piece of rusted metal, I especially love the ones where we see the super teal water mm-hmm. with the very orange. It's like my favorite color palette is like teal and orange. Um, it's just so good and there's especially one where they're like coming up towards like the cruiser that they're trying to get to where they're just like very small in the frame and there's like all of these like rusted ships around them kind of on the right hand side like in a c shape and then we see sort of like the distance behind them on the left and there's just like a few birds coming through the frame like i just i love it like it just feels very um in a way lifelike in a strange way like i really love when in this is something I thought about a lot when I was in school trying to attempting to do really cool shit like this. Um, it's like, I love the thought of including animals life on these planets in these places. Cause it feels like a lot more holistic of a view of a place. Like, of course there are like aquatic birds that live here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a whole ecosystem in, in and of itself. And it just like, they do such a good job with all of these shots. Um, <laughs> I said, another cool set is when Wrecker is being suspended over the water, especially when you see, uh, the water the water type sarlacc um, mm-hmm. in in the shadow and <laughs> I also really like the sort of like those ones are looking down at him but like the sort of very even perspective from the side when you see all of the like weird tentacles come up and grab him mm-hmm. the lighting is just really cool because it's like down from above and you see the water lit a little bit um I just said lighting in the metal the med bay <laughs> um I no I do really like when lighting. <laughs> right before Wrecker loses it um the like ring from the uh surgical machine um is like backlighting him in tech it's so good yeah the lighting in that i think really really sets because when hunter and omega are talking which is like off to the side they're a little bit more evenly lit Mm -hmm. with that same sort of like blue white lighting and it's a little bit softer and then yeah we go back to tech and wrecker and it's like very harsh like rim lighting right Mm -hmm. it 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 becomes really eerie, which I really mm-hmm. like. Um, yeah, after, uh, you know, all of the the fighting ensues and, you know, they have Wrecker with his chip out and whatever, we see Rex, like, from the hallway, like, leaning in a doorway and there's, like, a bunch of rays that come out. I don't know. I just love that, like, a lot of these scenes, these shots we get that are, like, establishing in a way, they feel very, um, like, quiet moments. Like, I love just seeing Rex, like, leaning against a doorway. Mm-hmm. Uh 
time is precious especially in animation uh so it's wild that like they they took the time to give us so many of these like really beautiful things to look at um (laughs) i literally have more i'm so sorry um rex and hunter talking outside at night i love that the colors are a lot more somber i feel like uh post the insanity right they go they go in during daytime and it feels like the the mood is a lot lighter Mm -hmm. it it matches the lighting that we see the sort of daytime and the fun colors and then like i think after all of this happens when like you know they're very they're a lot quieter in the med bay like emotionally it's a lot more serious of a moment and then we have you know rex and hunter talking about the future and what's next uh i love that it's nighttime i love that it feels very like calming in a way and and feels very like i don't know it feels very end of an episode it feels very mm-hmm. wrap up but it's just like it, it doesn't it almost is like that pacing thing that we talk about where it doesn't like it continues <laughs> the same pacing the same tension the same mood mm-hmm. um through lighting also i just the, i had a note that just says the colors on Braca, good lord <laughs> all caps they're good they're very um, good sorry that was a lot and then i will say uh, this is just sort of like a an extra bit um the one thing i always hope for in this episode is that rex and echo will have a a designated conversation with the two of them um but obviously as i said time is precious um and i will just leave that to the fix i've read i've already read a lot with that but like that's like me i want them to have a conversation <laughs> Again, um, I feel like the um, omission of that is intentional in that yeah. it, it's leaving it up to the fans. It just like, it hurts in a way so much seeing Rex leave without Echo being yeah. able to talk to him. I think because, you know, for Clone Wars history, like the first time we see Echo is like when Rex and, and Cody come to, that's uh, the moon, to Rishi Moon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Rex is the one that gives him his handprint on his armor that mm-hmm. it makes it so we can distinguish him from the rest of of the clones and that's like a whole turning point in his story um i, I so desperately wanted a conversation here and I, I get why we don't have one but like and maybe this is building to something later in like the next season or something like that but um yeah so that's all my notes yeah for the sustained 10 minutes i just talked about that but that's it's okay a, I, I talked for a while about themes so that's true julia's design corner became julia's design room full of <laughs> thoughts you're, you're a design bitch i'm a themes bitch yeah i'm a design bitch and just when there's good colors i gotta talk about them and that's valid thank you <laughs> <laughs> um all right uh that's all for this episode thank you so much for listening we'll be publishing episodes every tuesday and thursday so join us next week for episode eight reunion you can find us on spotify and apple podcasts and also instagram and twitter at the batch pod so if you like story and you like star wars then tune in for the next episode of the good the bad and the batch bye Bye.